This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first-time homebuyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our special guest, Alex Ruggeri. He is the Senior Investment Advisor with SVN North Star Real Estate in Champaign, Illinois. Alex, welcome onto the show today. We're so happy to have you. Oh, I'm delighted to be with you and all the folks in Ohio. This is great. Yes. We are going to be diving into a lot of Alex's world in this world of foreign investment and in foreign investment in this country, in Ohio, uh, what that looks like, where it stands today, uh, what we can expect, you know, moving forward. I think this is a really great topic, something that we should certainly be thinking about and and keeping our eye on as we think about strategy and, and where our real estate market is headed into 2024 and beyond. So, but before we get started on that, Alex, I would like to hear a little bit more about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your career journey, what's led you to where you are today, and a little bit bit about what you do in your current role. Well, you're, you're very kind to give me a little time to share it. Absolutely. I uh, started out as a residential real estate broker back in the day and was selling houses and like everybody else and really enjoyed real estate. But then we had a young family and we ended up having five children all together. But when the kids were little, uh, it wasn't that important that I wasn't home at night or on weekends. But because that's when everybody wants to work with you in in residential. But uh, as they got older, you know, I was missing soccer games and things like that on Saturday. And we like to go to church as a family. And that was a problem because people always wanted you to do the open houses and things like that. So I always was interested in commercial. And at that time, this was about 25 years ago, I decided to go back to school and get my MBA and to move over into commercial. And it was a process. It took about two or three years. I mean, it took two years to do the MBA program at the University of Illinois. And, you know, and also with commercial, the commissions are much larger, so it's more satisfying that way. However, there are fewer and far in between. So it was nice to have some residential deals going, you know, and so I kept one foot there and then into commercial. Eventually, I became exclusively commercial for the last, uh, you know, 20, 25 years. That's all I've been doing is commercial. If somebody wants to buy a house, I refer them to somebody else in the office or whatever. And then I was doing well in commercial. We had joined a franchise, which was SVN International, it's called. And I was consistently in the top 50 salespeople 
in that company. And when you think about that, I mean, they have almost 3,000 people. So to be in the top 50 of a company like that is saying something, especially when you come from a small town. Champaign-Urbana is a small town. It's not Austin, Texas or New York City. And I was consistently in the top 50 and several times I was in the top 10 in sales for the company. And I won their top sales award seven times in 10 years. It was going pretty good there. And uh, recently they just made me their global brand ambassador. So I, I'm doing kind of some international uh, exposure for them now as well. Uh, but I, uh, being in a small town, I was doing well, but, um, you know, you you have all this competition you're dealing with too. And the competition uh, is young people, uh, up and coming, really smart uh, young people. And I just didn't want to compete with them. I just thought, I'd rather be friends with them. I'd rather mentor them than fight over a listing with them. And so I decided, oh, it's probably 20 years ago, to start leaving my market and going to visit other markets all over the country. And I did this by, um, I had this idea when I was a residential broker, my broker told me, hey, you got to get out there, you know, because I was young. I was like 21 when I got my license and uh, I didn't know anybody. And the people I did know could not afford to buy a house. He told me, get out there, go to the chamber after hours meetings, go to these other things and circulate, get known, see people and be seen. And the uh, funny thing was, it actually worked. Uh, I got to build my network that way. And I got to build my residential business that way by seeing people and being seen. And I thought, gee, you know, I've kind of proved this concept locally. What would happen if I did it nationally? And so I started going to different marketing sessions across the country. Uh, I was going to investor conferences across the country. And I was spending, you know, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a year flying somewhere, paying the fee to get in the door, staying for three days, hotel fees, and then meeting people. And I thought, man, this is this is tough. I was burning up the credit cards. I did that the first year and nothing happened. And I did it the second year and nothing happened. And I talked to a kind of a mentor of mine and, and he told me, just keep doing it. You're laying a great foundation. Well, in the third year, I got a phone call. I was just driving along. I was back home driving along and I got a phone call from one of the folks that I had met at one of these meetings. And he said, you're in Champaign-Urbana, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, my best friend from college owns a bank and we were roommates back in the day. And um, he has got a problem. He had to foreclose on that. It's now real estate owned. It was a uh, subdivision of 178 lots or something like that. And they had $12 million uh, lent against this thing. And the guy went belly up on them. And he said, will you talk to my friend about moving this asset? Because the under uh, the um, auditors, the government auditors are all over the bank to move it out because uh, banks aren't supposed to own real estate. I mean, they give you some time, but they're not going to let you sit there and own a portfolio. So the really cool thing was the guy flew in. He was the president and owner of the bank. I met with him. He had the subdivision. The streets were all in. The roads were all in. Sidewalks, utilities. There was a pond with a fountain. I mean, it was completely 
finished. There was even a park in there. And he said, he said, um, do you think you can sell it? And I said, well, what do you want for it? And he goes, well, we've got 12 million in, in it. Do you think you can give me 4 million? And I'm like, yeah, I think we can do that. So we signed an agreement. And the unique thing is because of the connection that I had with this gentleman from Colorado, who was his roommate, I did not have to present. I did not have to compete. He was like, what's your fee? Where do I sign? Just like that. So I said, well, you know, 4% and, um, you know, this simple one-page agreement ought to do me. I sold it within 30 days. We closed 45 days later and my commission was $160,000. Now I did pay a referral fee to the nice gentleman in Colorado who referred me to the guy. But my point being that in the third year, I realized that 160000 paid me for the first year expenses and the second year expenses and the third year expenses and still made me a profit. So I'm like, this is great. And so I kept going and I said, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make a note of every lead that comes in through this activity of every listing I get and of every sale. And I'm going to keep track of it. And I did. And at the end of 10 years, I sat down and I started adding up all of the transactions and the fees that I had earned uh, by going to these things. And Allison, I stopped counting because once I got to a million dollars, I'm like, I made a million dollars doing this. I just stopped counting. It's way over that, way over that, probably closer to twice that now. But I just said, this, this, this is a concept that I knew worked locally because my manager had told me to get out, see people and be seen. And now I knew it was a proof of concept that it was working nationally. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. So two things. One, if I came to you, Allison, I said, I want you to give me $15,000 January 1. And on December 31st, I'm going to give you $100,000. Would that be a good investment for you? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> in other words, I was getting a phenomenal return on the money I was spending. Okay. So um, that's when we got the idea. And my son works with me now. And uh, we said, you know, we proved that concept locally. We proved that concept nationally. Would it work internationally? And that's when we started going to... MIPM and some of these other international meetings. And um, what's interesting is I'm still working on building that book of business. It takes longer to find the relationships and build the relationships, but it doesn't matter because the first time I went, the very first year, I did a $6 million deal we earned what well, was 320,000 was the commission, but I had to split it. And it was all because I had to meet with this family office. They had a $15 million portfolio and they wanted to sell a piece of it. Um, it was, it was land. Uh, it was about $6 million. And, um, so I had to do this presentation. And during the presentation, I, I showed them a film and I said, Oh, and by the way, I'm going to this international and I will present your listing to the investors at the conference. And the father, the one who started this whole thing, the one who sat at the head of the table when it was all over said, I think we should give Alex the opportunity. 
He's the only one that's talked to us about international. And I firmly believe that we're going to sell that piece of ground to a Chinese investor. That's what he said. And uh, <laughs> that was his theory. And the reason was because U of I, University of Illinois, is one of the largest, uh, well, if not the largest uh, school that has international students. So we have like almost 10,000 international students. That's as big as some schools, but that's just our international students. And about 75% of them come from Asia. And so he thought, you know, hey, they're going to want to build apartments for their people, you know, and, and everything. And that actually did happen on the campus. So I said, well, here's my agreement. Sign here. Press hard. There's three copies. All right. I went to the MIPM, but I got the listing because I was going to MIPM. And I didn't sell it at, at MIPM. But when I got home, I sell it, sold it to a group from California. And because I had the listing, I got paid. And it was all because I told them that I was going to go present it to International with credibility. Nobody else talked to them like that. And nobody else had the credibility to talk to them about that. Now, since then, I think we're going to MIPM again this year. In 2024, we're going in March, I think it is. And I think that's going to be our eighth or ninth year for MIPM. Now, during COVID, that kind of slowed some things down. But that's how I got involved in international. And, you know, like I said, we made $160,000 on that first deal that we did. And uh, and that more than paid for multiple years of going to MIPM and and still made a profit. So for me, I, I wanted to share that story because they're they're you know I'm talking to my peers here, my broker friends, guys, gals out there that are earning a living, and so much of that depends on the network that you build, and that's what I built my book of business on, and that's how I kind of drifted almost imperceptibly into doing more with international. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. As you were as you were telling the story, I was thinking about too, is that that seems like that was kind of your secret sauce and maybe your advice to other realtors and brokers who are looking to expand their skills into this international realm. Would you say that is kind of your best bit of advice is to just get out there, start networking, or what it what would be your advice to to those realtors interested? Yeah, it's absolutely to start networking, whatever you want to do. Okay. If you want to do student housing, start going to their conferences and start networking with those people. If you want to do multifamily, start going to the apartment owners association, the builders meetings and all of that. They hold them in Las Vegas. They're easy to get to. They hold them all over the country and start networking. And the other thing is don't give up. It takes time. And now I've got all these networks that I am connected to after doing this for 20 years. Okay. So NAR. I just got off of the board of directors for NAR and the president, Kevin Sears for 2024, assigned me to be a co-chair of a committee. 
So now I'm on the Global and Business Alliance Committee for NAR, right? That's because I network. I go to these things, you know, and uh, Kevin knew who I was. And, you know, um, when when I got on that committee, I remember somebody saying, oh, how did you get to be vice chair of the Global Committee? And I said, Kevin asked me. <laughs> I said, I have no idea. And he goes, I've been on that committee for nine years and I've never, you know, been asked to serve as, you know, and I, I felt bad because I really like this guy. He's a super guy. He's uh, of Indian descent and he does travel to India often and he does things. But you got to go to these things and you got to be there and you got to hobnob with these people. And then it's like, oh, well, let's get Mikey. He's always here. You know, let's get this one. You know, he's always at the meetings and he shows up, you know. 90% of success in life is showing up. So I would I would tell them to network. And, and if they want to do international, there's a lot of ways to network. I belong to FIOPSI, which is the Federation of International Brokers. I am a CRE. That is an international organization, the Counselors of Real Estate. I am a CCIM. That is an international organization. I'm in leadership at NAR, which is also an international organization. Basically, that's what I've done. And it's paid significant rewards. Yeah. And it sounds like it. And I think, you know, to anyone, you know, you you explained it so perfectly in your story. You know, you do have to kind of make that initial investment in, in pay for those hotels and those flights places. But then you're going to make your money back twofold, it sounds like, and sometimes even more than that. Yep. So I think that that's really great. It's your own business. You know, I mean, you need to invest in yourself by doing that. And, and that sets you apart, makes you unique. It gets you above the noise. And I always invest in education too. I go all over the country taking educational courses anywhere I can get them because the people that go there are the people that I want to network with and get to know. And the more I know, the more value I bring to the equation for my customers and my clients. Absolutely. Yeah, I know education is one of the things our 2024 president, um, Allie Whitley, so passionate about and she's, you know, just always hammering home the importance of that and and ha- what realtors should be doing to keep up with the latest trends and, and the latest education, you know, certifications, things like that out there. I know that's a big, a big passion of hers. So yeah, absolutely. So important. And along the lines of working for our clients and and how we can, um, you know, get involved in this international and, and foreign investment space. What role do you think that realtors play when it comes to attracting foreign investment? How can we best, um, you know, kind of position ourselves or where do we fit in, you know, to this world of foreign investment? I think it's a it's a much bigger picture than just us. We become the facilitators, I believe, but we're not the generators of the interest The generators are going to be your state and the kind of economic uh, environment that they create through their laws and uh, statutes, your community through the kind of incentives that might be offered to foreign investment. And then where brokers can get involved is they can, again, network with your economic development corporation on the state level, your economic development corporation on the local level. I mean, in Champaign County, we have our meetings at the EDC office for the commercial brokers. So once a month, we're in the EDC office uh, and they know all who we are. You know, I got an email from them today. You know, there's a there's a group that wants to sell a building. It's a not for profit. And um, she sent it out to, you know, I mean, we have 700 members of our board. They, they She didn't send it to all of those people. But she sent it to the 
12 people that show up at the commercial meeting because they're a lot more inclined to be able to help those people with a commercial asset like that. And that's just because we've networked with EDC. And those people, you know, they should know who you are. You know, if I said, let's ask for a show of hands out there, does your head of EDC know who you are <laughs> locally? And, and if the answer to that is no, that's not their fault. That's something you need to do is make sure they know who you are. I think, you know, there is a role that we can play when it comes to this, just being in the right place, the right time, getting out there, you know, networking with those kind of people that can really help, you know, our business expand and grow. What, in your opinion and in your experience, what is the current state of foreign investment in the U.S.? Are you expecting that to grow or not? Or what are you seeing kind of from your perspective and in some of the trends that you're witnessing when it comes to what's Type of people are making investments in here, where they're coming from, and if that's going to increase or decrease, um, you know, in the near future. All right. So I'm super prejudiced, but I mean, you're asking my opinion. My crystal ball is just as good as the next guy's, maybe. <laughs> uh, so none of this is uh, cast in stone, but it is my opinion that it's going to increase. And I'll give you a uh, an example. Uh, first of all, I, I believe that because as crazy as this country is right now, with all the dumb things going on <laughs> the it's still considered one of the most stable governments in the world uh and it that creates a favorable climate for foreign investment because a lot of these people are in situations where their government's not so favorable okay i mean and if you're in a government where they have quick take powers and, and they're just going to take your wealth, you know, you may want to put that somewhere else, you know? And so I believe it's going to increase. I can point to most recently phenomenon that is in the market news. And that is because of the war going on between Israel and uh, Hamas, gold prices have spiked up. So what that says is in times of uncertainty, money moves like that term disintermediation, money will flow to the place where it's going to get the highest return or with the least amount of risk. Okay. So that money's already flowing to things like gold. And I think foreign investment is already, I just got a, a Zoom call with a group of Canadians. They have millions of dollars. This group has been doing investments in Canada for 30 years. And they're like, that's it. We're tired of Canada. We want to go into the United States and uh, they want to go into uh, red states, not blue states, because they say Canada's turning into a giant blue state. I mean, here you got people right on our border and they're like, where can we buy? Where can we invest in the U.S.? So that's just those are two good indicators to support my thesis that it is going to increase. Yeah. And and even I think too, despite of the interest rates, and I know that maybe we've seen kind of a little pause, and I don't know if this is in your your experience as well, but I know in just doing some research that, you know, those interest rates did kind of steer away uh, those foreign investments, but that's not so much the case anymore, right? Or, or how are interest rates impacting investors' decisions? I will point to an email that I just got from one of my clients yesterday, they asked for an extension on their, uh, we're doing a, it's probably a $50 million deal. And I am doing the assembly for all the land that the project's going to be built on. And here's what he said. 
I would like to continue our open dialogue with the seller with respect to timing. We have to address a few concerns that we can talk about. Our interest in the project has not diminished. On the contrary, the market is holding strong and enrollment trends at U of I are positive. Construction costs are also trending in our favor and should continue to do so in 2024. All right. And he goes on to say that he thinks interest rates are going to continue to stabilize also in 2024. I just got that email yesterday on a real deal uh, with a guy who's looking at spending, uh, you know, $40 million to develop that site. And I know he's the real deal because we did one together, a $30 million deal five years ago, four blocks away from there. So I think that's a very accurate answer to your question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's a good way to kind of Describe some of the trends and some of the things that I know are on everyone's mind, you know, when we think about the real estate market and some of those hot button topics. I know those interest rates and construction costs have been a big, a big trend, too, that I don't think we talk about enough. But it's good news that I think the consensus is that those two things will start to stabilize, which which is good news. How do you best work with foreign clients? Is that do you have to treat them differently than you do, you know, domestic clients? And and talk to us about building those relationships and how to handle foreign clients and foreign transactions on a on a personal relationship level. Well, yeah, I mean, you you have to know your client. I mean, know your client is critical. And their needs are somewhat different. They have different rules and regs. Uh, for instance, Canada does not have the ability to do a 1031 in their tax laws. And that's one of the things that attracts them to the, to the uh, United States is they could do a 1031 and grow their equity without paying taxes. And they can't do that in Canada. And so every different group, whether they're from Australia or Japan or wherever they're at, you need to know them very, very well and then treat the situation accordingly. Yeah. And I think some of that education comes into play, you know, there and there's so many classes out there that's how to how to work with different cultures, how to work with different countries, how to know and learn some of the different ways that, um, you know, foreign clients do things. I think that just goes back to, you know, your whole point on the importance of, of getting educated and taking those classes and staying up to date with, with ways you can work, you know, with them. Because I'm sure that there certainly are different out there. And from your opinion, are you seeing a lot of commercial investments? I know you're more on the com- commercial uh, side of things, but are you seeing uh, any residential investments from foreigners or, or are you aware of kind of where that stands with some residential investing from foreigners? I do think there there's a lot of groups that are building whole neighborhoods now and they put in the streets, the roads, the sidewalks, and then they build the houses and they don't sell them. They do a build-to-rent community. And so that is something they're doing here on the state side. But then once it's fully leased and stabilized, they sell that. And that's those are the kind of things foreign investors love to buy. Yeah, yeah. And we're seeing that kind of that opportunity on both side of side of things, which I which I think is interesting. And it's so nice to have a commercial focused episode. Um, This has been really refreshing. I know so many of these podcasts that we do have that residential focus, but this has been great. Uh, Learning a little bit more of the commercial side of things, um, you know, your perspective and experience on this and all of your expertise. This has been uh, great to have you on. And thank you so much for sharing, uh, sharing all this wonderful knowledge with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I, I love Ohio. They have an investment group there of very sophisticated realtors and brokers called the Ohio Commercial Real Estate Association. It's called OCREA. 
and I've been to their meetings many times. And uh, so we love Ohio. My son also was uh, a surgeon just outside of Columbus. And so we visited them for years and years when they were there. So we love Ohio. Well, thank you so much. And we love you too. And anytime, you know, you are welcome to, to come visit us in the Buckeye State anytime. We, we would love to have you. <laughs> we'll do it. Thanks, Allison. Thanks so much, Alex. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.